363 cleared for takeoff. Good morning, everyone. Did you appreciate Andy Garcia this morning? Yeah. So thankful for his friendship and him coming and leading worship uh, for us today. And some of you are like, man, I didn't know Gary could speak. Well, I can't, but uh, I'm going to give it a try today. How's that? All right, cool. So that, uh, that clip we just watched was from the movie Argo, and that got best picture this last year, and it was uh, the rescue, it was a pretty cool, cool story in history, the rescue of 50 American embassy staff members uh, from Tehran, and uh, you saw that final scene where, man, it was just so close, if you've seen the movie, you're kind of on the edge of your seat, and you're just seeing what's going to happen, and uh, so it's amazing, amazing finish to that movie. Um, and that may be a spoiler to some of you who haven't seen the movie. I apologize for that, but it is history, so you know. Can, hopefully, it's not too much of a spoiler. I, I remember when uh, Titanic came out, and uh, not a big fan of the movie, but I went and saw it because my wife wanted to see it, and uh, so we saw Titanic. The next day, I went to work, and uh, this is no this is no lie. This is no joke. No exaggeration. Went to work. Person, the, the lady sitting next to me at work, we started talking about it. I was like, yeah, I went and saw Titanic last night. And, yeah, it wasn't that, you know, it was kind of a love story and kind of sappy the whole time and just really wasn't into it. And I said, probably, you know, the, probably the best part was the last 30 minutes when the, the, the boat sank. You know, it was, the effects were really cool. It was really cool. And, and no lie, she turns to me and says, thanks a lot. And she, she's like, I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm waiting for her to crack and smile and laugh. Doesn't happen. She has no idea about the Titanic, that it sank. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry for you. I'm very, very sorry that you didn't know that. So if that was a spoiler, that was history. So hopefully it wasn't too much of a spoiler. But we saw that in scene where they were, the, the authorities were so close, right? They were just so, I mean, it was that close, but yeah, they were so far away. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's the title of my message, is so close, uh, but yet so far. How many times have you said that in life, you know? Oh, it's that close, so close, but yet so far away. The, uh, uh, I think it was last week, I'm, I have, uh, I have two kids. I have Josh, he's nine, and Jade's five years old, and uh, my wife is a fitness instructor at Brighton Rec, and and she was doing one of her classes one night, so I was just hanging out with the kids, and Josh is kind of my independent one. He was kind of doing his own thing, playing 
DS in the other room. But Jade is my not independent one. She's very dependent, and uh, she likes to uh, be social and have fun. And so she was hanging out with me, you know, and she's like, hey, Dad. And I'm sitting in the recliner just chilling out that night, and she goes, hey, can we play McDonald's? And I was like, yeah, sure, we can play McDonald's. And what that means is she has this little cash register, a little McDonald's cash register, a little, little toy, and uh, she wanted to play McDonald's. She wanted to be a McDonald's employee, and I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I'm, I'm chilling. She comes up, up to me. She's like, okay, sir, what, what would you like to eat today? And I'm like, you know what? I could really go for a hamburger and french fries. You got that, McDonald's? She's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And so she gives me the fake money, and then I give her, you know, pay her the money, and it's a cool deal. And then she comes back. She's like, what, what would you like to drink, sir? And I'm like, well, I'll take a Diet Coke. I'm already eating bad, so I might as well just have something that's bad for me to drink. So I'll take a Diet Coke. How's that? And she goes, oh, yes, no problem. Well, then I get this brilliant idea, and I'm like, I'm just reclining, lounging there. You know, I got the feet up, and I'm like, she comes back for my next order, and I say, she goes, do you, do you want anything else? And I said, you know, I could really, how, how much is a foot rub? Do you have foot rubs? <laughs> and she immediately says, that'll be $100. <laughs> so then she goes, no, 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 it'll be $1,000. <laughs> and so I get my fake money, right? And I, I reach it to her and she gets real serious and looks at me, she goes, real money. If you know Jade, that probably won't surprise you. Real money. So close. I was so close to that football. But yet so far, far away with Jade. Well, we're, we're going to continue our series in Genesis. Beginnings, are you, are you loving the series? It's been amazing. I love it, love it. Stories in Genesis. And today we're going to talk about this idea of these people that were so close. They thought they were so close, but yet they were so, so far away. So if you turn to Genesis chapter 11... We're going to look at the story of the Tower of Babel today. Tower of Babel. Some of you are looking going, are they going to skip Noah? They're going to skip the ark? No, we're not going to skip Noah. We're going to be coming back to that. Uh, Pastor Doug asked me to uh, speak today. He's, in, he's out of town with his son, and him and Shelly are watching a baseball tournament with Caleb. There's like hundreds of scouts at this thing. It's really a big deal, and so we're excited for them to be there. So he asked me to speak, and uh, so we decided this would probably be, a, be best for me to just cover this topic. It'll be a one-weeker, and then he's going to come back next week and cover Noah for a couple, couple of weeks. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 11. And uh, we're going to see this story. We're going to see two things. First, we're going to see this group of people uh, that thought they were pleasing God. And they thought they were doing what they, they should do. They thought they were doing their best. And they thought their, their best was better than God's best. And we see this rebellion with these people. And then secondly, we're going to see God's response to their rebellion. So number one this morning is the, the rebellion. The rebellion. And we're going to look at... Verses 1 and 2 in Genesis 11. Let's just kick off this story. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, and they found a plain in the land of Shinar. We're gonna, we want to remember that, the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. We also want to remember that. They dwelt there. So right away we see in verse 1 and 2 this act of rebellion kicking off right away. We see these people... And they've decided to congregate in the land of Shinar and to dwell together. And what we, what we know about this is 
right off the bat that this is completely rebellious because what they're doing is they're gathering together instead of scattering, which is, which is what God had told them to do. And they, and, this, and they found this land of Shinar, and it encompassed uh, Babylon. And, um, you know, for them, they kind of looked at this land, and they're like, man, this is awesome. Look at this, look at this piece of land. We can go over here, and we can build, and we can congregate together, and we can have our own little community. It sounds like a great, great plan, you know. It sounds good, you know. Get together, hang out, build this community. The problem is they put themselves under a king, and the king's name was Nimrod. <laughs> so, bad start in the story, in the congregating. If you know, the definition of Nimrod, if you look it up in the dictionary, is a stupid person. No lie. Nimrod. King Nimrod. That, that sounds like a bright idea, doesn't it? Let's put ourselves under King Nimrod. There's not too many people naming their babies Nimrod nowadays, you know what I mean? Bad, bad baby name. Unique, but very bad. And we see this king, who, he, he was a mighty, mighty king. He was in charge of this land of Shinar. And they put themselves under the rule of this king instead of the rule of God. And we see the rebellion starting right off the bat. They decided, you know what? I know we're supposed to follow God, but let's follow Nimrod. That sounds like a good idea. And we see right off the bat the rebellion happening. You know, if we go back um, to a few weeks ago, we started this series and we see Adam and Eve. We had fun with that. And we saw that uh, Doug pointed out that, that uh, there was uh, two, two verses in Adam and Eve's Bible. I mean, it was real simple for them. Two commandments. Be fruitful and multiply. All right? And as past, our pastor so eloquently put it, don't jack with the tree, right? So be fruitful and multiply was a huge commandment. And, and next week we're going to pick it up with, uh, we're going to go back with Noah and we're going to see the flood and that whole story. And we're, we see, we're going to see in chapter 9 and verse 7 that God gave him another commandment, a very clear commandment. After the flood, it was over and people were coming off the ark. He told them to now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the Neighborhood, the city, the town. No, it said repopulate. Do we have that verse? I don't know if we can put that up on the screen, but repopulate the earth is what God said. Repopulate the earth. And right away, we see these people that have come off that commandment saying, you know what? They saw the opportunity. They saw a piece of land. They said, let's build. Let's congregate. Let's have our own little community. Let's have a closed community. Let's put a little fence around it. Let's have a little guarded gate thing, you know, and let's just have our own little country club, and let's get together and hang out. And they said, you know what? Let's just be together. Let's gather together. Let's dwell, as we saw in verse 2. Let's dwell in this land of Shinar. And what they did, and this, will, this, should, this is on the screen, that what they did is they gathered instead of scattered. And that's what we've got to remember with this story is the first act of rebellion here is they gathered instead of scattered, which God commanded them. Huge problem, huge problem. This morning I want to look at three reasons they did this. They rebelled. And I think this is going to be very applicable to us as we live today. So the first reason is this. Very simple. It was all because of their comfort. It was their comfort. Boy, we love to be comfortable, don't we? Oh, yeah. Comfortable is good. And they, they had the same reaction, the same feeling, the same wants. They wanted to be comfortable. So what did they do? 
they stayed together. What do we do when we want to be comfortable? We stay with the people we know, right? They gathered together. They gathered instead of scattered. Here's the problem with this whole idea that these people had. You cannot repopulate the earth, the earth, if you stay together. And I'm pretty sure they were smart enough to figure that out. They're not going to be able to repopulate the earth if they stay together. They gathered instead of scattered. Now, here, here, when I was thinking about this and I was reading this, this story this week, I was like, you know, church world isn't that much different than this story. We, all, we have the same, same tendencies. We like to be together. You know the, the, the old show Cheers? Sometimes you want to go. That was your name, right? Yeah, where everybody, I knew somebody would know that song. So, yeah, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. You want to be comfortable. You want to be around people you know. We don't want to scatter. We don't want to meet new people. We, we're so guilty of this in church world, too. We have our own denominations. We have our own set of friends we like to hang out with. Even in Orchard Church, some people, I've heard, have their favorite small group. And they don't want to leave it. They don't want to scatter. They don't want to multiply. This is our tendencies. This is what happens to us. We want to be with people we know. We want to be comfortable. You know, even as we look around in this place today, you know what I'm getting ready to say. We have our own sections that we like to sit in. Some of us have our own seat. We've claimed it. We've marked our territory. Hopefully figuratively. This is, this is our seat. It's comfortable. The cushion is formed for me now. It's crazy, but it's true. This is our tendency. We want to be comfortable so we stay in the familiar, right? We want to stay around people we know. We want to sit around people we see every Sunday. The stage looks weird from this side or this side, you know. And we stay within our comfort zone. Now, this is crazy. I, I found this story this week. I'm not really sure if it's true, but I thought I'd share it. This is from Idaho. Anybody from Idaho? Oh, okay. All right. No Idaho. All right. It says this. Longtime churchgoer Gert Rosoli was so devoted to her spot, her seat, and her church that when she passed away last month, her family received permission to bronze her body and set it in the seat permanently. Now to the remiss of some church members, her body is permanently located in the aisle seat she occupied every Sunday for 40 years. I think we actually have a picture here. Yeah, it's a humongous Bible, by the way. It's huge. She brought the family Bible every week, I think. This is what her daughter said. Her, she loved gazing at the pastor from that spot, being the first in her row to receive communion, and having quick access to the bathroom every week. It gave her a sen- sense of deep spiritual comfort. But fellow churchgoers also remember Gert's stiff response to anyone who tried to take her place. This is all about comfort. We like to be comfortable. And this is what happened here in the story with these people. They knew. God told them. He said, go scatter. And and they were like, we're going to gather. 
We're going to stay together. We're going to be comfortable. You know what would be funny next week? Some of you, those of you who are willing, if you kind of look around and you know where people sit, you should just sit in their seat next week and just see what, see what happens. It would be kind of funny. See if they tell you to move. That would be hilarious. Here's the thing, church. This is the call to us. The call is to go and multiply. That was the commandment to them. That is the commandment to us. As a, as a church, our whole goal here in our whole mission statement is very simple. It's reach, relate, reproduce. We want to see people reached. We want to see people get, get together. But man, if we stop there and we don't see reprodu- reproduction happening, we don't see multiplication happening in our church, then we failed. It was very simple what Jesus told us to do. He said, go and make disciples. And this is, this is where we're at. And this, is, this can be a big comfort zone issue for some people. You know, God's commanded us to multiply, but we can't very well multiply if we don't do what God told us to do, and that is to go and make disciples. You know, discipleship is one of those things that if you have a comfort zone issue with, you know, meeting new people, it'll force you out of that. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Any disciplers can attest to that this morning? Can you testify to that? Oh, that was really weak, disciples. Can you testify to that this morning, disciples? Absolutely. It's a wonderful thing. You know, it's a, but it can be a comfort zone issue. For me, I stand before you today, and you can't see it, but there's an invisible zone, and it's called my comfort zone, and my comfort zone is back here. And I'm just a few steps away. I'm so close, but yet I'm so far away from where I'm comfortable. And uh, <laughs> the reason I'm standing here is because a few weeks ago, or a, couple, or a month ago, or two months, I can't remember, what, but me and Doug were, were talking, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be gone this particular week, and we need to figure out what we're going to do that week and continue this series. And he's like, yeah, I th- I'm not sure who I'm going to ask to speak yet. He goes, um, but I'm pretty sure we're probably going to do Tower, Tower of Babel probably that week. He's like, but I'm, I'm a little worried that it won't, the story won't be big enough for, you know, to fill in a whole Sunday. And then I did it. I opened my big mouth. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah. I, I, I said, I, I did a series on that like a, several years ago at my past church. And he's like, you can do it then. You can speak. <laughs> Therefore, I'm out of my comfort zone today. This is totally out of my comfort zone. People ask, I didn't know you speak. I don't speak. I lead worship. This is what, that's what I do. I would much rather be singing a thousand songs today than be giving you this message. Trust me. This is way out of my comfort zone. And I, I will tell you this, and you can trust me on this. Leading worship is so much easier than speaking. It's way, way, way easier. I mean, with, with, when you lead worship, you have the songs. You know, you have the words. You just sing them, the words. When you speak, you have to come up with all this stuff. (laughs) And not only that, you have to go a lot longer than when you lead worship. Depending on who's speaking, it may be a lot longer than when you're leading worship. And it's totally, totally out of my comfort zone. But you know what? God has called me to do this today, without a doubt. And we have, to, we have to be obedient to God's call. We have to sometimes get out of our comfort zone. It's not about our comfort, you know. Some of you need to get in discipleship. You know it. God's been working on you, and you just need to 
Step out of that comfort zone and be obedient to God and watch him work in your life. Some of you need to do that. Some of you need to answer the call that we're getting ready to put out in the next few weeks for small group. We, we have a need at Orchard Church and that we need small group hosts, big time. We have a goal of 40 groups this fall based on the growth of our church. We need it. It's not, it's not a, a want or desire. This is a need. We want people to relate and connect. And some of you really need to step out of your comfort zone and say, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to fill this need for the church and help people relate. And, and get out of your comfort zone. Now, this will be on the screen, and I want you to remember this. You know, Pastor Doug has told us this many times and quoted this verse, but it says, the verse says, God is the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. And that's a wonderful, wonderful promise. He's the God of all comfort. But he hasn't promised us a comfortable life. That's the catch. God is a God of all comfort, but nowhere will you find a verse where God's like, you're going to have a comfortable life as a follower of me. In fact, Jesus promised his followers, his disciples, that self-denial. You know, in Luke 9.23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Here's the thing. This is a tough one, but if your life is cushy and comfortable for your entire life. I have, I have an interesting piece of news for you this morning. God didn't do that. You did. If we, we have this whole comfortable, comfy life, our whole life, and we call ourselves Christians, that's not from God, that's from us. And we are people of creativity, and that's what we're going to hit on next, is this whole idea of creativity. So first, um, the rebellion happened through and because of their comfort. And then secondly, the rebellion happened because of their creativity. Creativity. Let's look at verse, verse 3. Verse 3. Then they said to one another, and remember that sentence right there. Then they said to one another... Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. Creativity. What we see in the story now is that the people have gone away from God, pursuit of their own comfort, and now their creativity is getting ready to enable their rebellion more and more. They're going to they're do great things because of their creativity. Now, is there anything wrong with being creative? I hope not, because that's kind of why I'm here at this church, you know. Um, I'm not here because I'm a Bible scholar or anything like that. I mean, I, I'm here because I'm creative, you know. I, I work in the arts and music and media and all that kind of stuff, and that's why Doug brought me here. So cre- creativity is a good thing. It can be a wonderful thing. I really think that men are some of the most creative people on the face of the earth. And men are no, never more creative than when we have a hard task in front of us. And it's going to make us work hard. And all of a sudden, our juices kick in, and we get these great, brilliant ideas. Are you with me, men? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All of a sudden, we become geniuses. <laughs> when we have a hard task in front of us, we're like, you know, I need to do this, but if, 
if I do this and that, this will make it easier for me, you know? We get real creative. All I have to do is think back one week. That's all I got to do in my life, just one week. And we had a, a new washer and dryer coming to our house, and we needed to get the um, old washer and dryer out that wasn't working onto the curb. Now, the problem with me is when I get like a jolt of energy to do something, it's always like after 10 o'clock at night. And we've been here a year and a half. I'm not sure if I'm close enough with anybody yet to call them up after 10 o'clock yet and say, hey, can you come help me do this real quick? I got this burst of energy and I want to do this. So what happens is I find myself doing stuff, crazy stuff by myself, you know, after 10 o'clock at night. So this happened. And I, when I say bolt of energy, I mean like determination. Like I want to get this done right now. Like I don't want to wait. I want to get it done now. And I think I can do it, you know. So... I'm like, okay, I gotta get this washer and dryer out to the curb. So I'm like, okay, let's start with the dryer. Let's see. So I'm looking at the dryer. I'm like, okay, how could I do this? Maybe I can just walk it down to the curb. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I should do that. So then, then my creativity kicked in. Boom, genius, brilliance just happens. And I think, my son has a skateboard. <laughs> he has a skateboard. So I run down to the basement, find a skateboard, and I come back and then put it in the garage. And I'm like, okay, all I got to do is just kind of walk this dryer down to the skateboard, roll it down to the curb, no problem. So I did it, got it on the skateboard, rolled it down to the curb, onto the curb, and I was like, yes, yes. And then... I saw the washer, and I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, the dryer is easy. We can, we can do the dryer. I can do the dryer, but how in the world am I going to get this washer by myself right now? So I'm thinking, well, the skateboard worked pretty good for the dryer. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, there's no like flat bottom on this thing. So I couldn't just put the washer on the skateboard and roll it then my creativity, see, it's kicking. My brain is working hard at this point. And I'm, like, I'm just like, my ingenuity is going. And I'm like, if I put the skateboard on one end of the washer, then I could lift the other side and like roll it down the driveway, you know? <laughs> but what I got to do is I got to get it out to the garage first. So, that, so I'm like, okay, if I can just walk it out. So I walk it out and I'm like, okay, if I can just, just, just get it down these, these three steps and onto the, the skateboard, then I can roll it. So I get it down the steps and onto the skateboard and I pick it up to roll it and that immediately I'm like, this isn't happening. Because if, if I lose control of this thing, this, goes down, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. So now my creativity is kicking in even more. Like, okay, what else could I do? And I look around the garage and then I saw it. Josh's scooter. Josh's scooter. So I took the scooter and put it on the other side, and I'm here to tell you that I steered this thing down the driveway <laughs> into its place and onto the curb. And once again, I was like, yes, it's awesome. Yeah. So creativity can be a great thing, and men can be so creative at times. It's amazing. But here's the problem with creativity, and this is big, and this is what I want you to get. Creativity is wrong. Creativity is wrong when it leads us away 
from our Creator. Creativity is wrong when it leads us away from our Creator. And we see this happening in this story. We see it. They've already gone after their comfort instead of God. They're getting away from God. And now their creativity is kicking in. And, and they are thinking they're on a roll at this point. And this is where we get in trouble. We are creative. We can create things. We can land the job interview. We can get the good job. We can get the good paycheck. We can, we can get the nice house. We can, get, we can have our clean cars. and We can have a great reputation in our community. We can look our best. We can have money in the bank. We have a great retirement. These are all things that we can create. And these aren't bad things. These can be great, great things. But we get in trouble when this creativity in our life, these things that create, leads us away from our creator. We get in trouble and we become rebellious against God when we rely on these things for our comfort. These things that we create, we rely on them for our comfort instead of the great comforter. Or we rely on these things for peace in our life. Man, if I could just, you know, just have this and that, and then I, I would be at peace. Instead of the God of peace. You know, when it, when it leads us away from our creator, that's when we get in trouble. It's great to do our best. It's great to do good in life and be good stewards of what God has given you. It's wonderful. As long as these things that we create and that we manage don't become treasures to us. That's the big thing. We gotta make sure that we define the word treasure really carefully in our life. Jesus was really blunt about this in Matthew 6. He said, don't lay up, don't. He said, don't lay up treasures on earth. Why? Because those things will deteriorate. These things can get stolen. These things can get taken advantage of. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where nothing can touch them. No one can steal them. They'll never go away. They're eternal. They're everlasting. Jesus was very blunt about this. And we've got to be really careful that our creativity doesn't lead us away from our creator. We've got to be really careful of this. That we don't treasure things that we create. But we, tre but we put our treasures in heaven. And you know, we do a lot of self-evaluation. You know, we look at our life. But I wonder, what, how often do we go, how's my treasure in heaven doing? How often do we evaluate that? That's big, and I'm preaching to myself today. We've got to be really careful of this, that, our, that our, our creativity and ingenuity doesn't lead us away from the great creator. These people in verse 3, if you look, let's, let's look at that verse 3 real quick again. It says, then they said to one another. Now, here we go. We're, we're already seeing a problem right here. They're, they're, they're talking to each other. They're, they're coming up with plans. They're, they're like, yeah, that would work. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. That's wonderful. And they took a vote, and let's, let's go for it. And, no one, and the problem is no one's, no, one's, no one's thinking about God at this point. No one's asking the question, what does God want us to do? They're coming up with these great ideas. They're being creative. And it's all about them. They, they, you, see, you see these personal pronouns. Then they said to one another, come let us make bricks. And it's all about them at this point. They're, they're being creative. It's all about what they can do. And they're doing their best. But the problem is it was all about them. And it was all for 
them, and we totally do this in our life. If we're not careful, instead of praying, your kingdom come, we may start saying, you know what, we'll just build our own kingdom. That's a scary thought. We don't need your kingdom, God. We're creative. We can do this. And our creativity starts to lead us away from our creator. It can be all about us, or our creativity can be all about God, and that's the choice we have to make. And that's where these people are at. It's all about their comfort. Now their creativity is leading them away from God. And then in verse 4, they go to the next level. I mean, it's, this gets real bad. And we're going to see in verse 4, ne- the, the last, the third thing is their cockiness. Cockiness. They're getting cocky. There's no other better way to say it, really, at this point. They're just getting downright cocky. Verse 4, and they said, Come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. We are talking total rebellion at this point. We're, we're, in, we're, in, uh, we're in a bad place at this point. Because now we're away from God and now we're arrogant about it. You know, it's one thing to think it. It's another, totally another thing to start saying it. Let's, let's build a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves. These, fin- these people just finally got cocky. That's exactly what happened. It was all about them, and it's just fueling their rebellion more and more. You know, and we talk about this tower that they built. And most scholars believe that this tower was a ziggurat. A ziggurat's not an ancient cigarette. It's actually a tower, and we'll see this. Um, that most scholars believe this is probably what they were working on, a ziggurat. And uh, a ziggurat was like a, pi- a, a pyramid, except it had levels and successive levels and steps so that people uh, could get to the top. And the t- at the top was a special shrine, and it was dedicated to the God that they worshipped. And they hoped, if they could get to the top, that, that they would get closer to their God and that their God would come down and as they worshipped their God from heaven. These people basically, in a nutshell, were trying to get godly. But they were doing it on their own terms, their own plan, their own creativity, their own ideas. Trying to get closer. And really what they were doing is they were trying to impress God. Um, And we see that they were trying to get famous. They're trying to make a name for themselves. We see that in verse 4. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, he warned us, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We've got to be really careful of our arrogance because then we get to the tipping point. Pride goes before the fall, the Proverbs says. And we gotta, when we get to the pride, the arrogance factor, we're, we're in deep trouble. It's getting, getting ready to get real bad. Uh, one, one pastor said one time, pride is just admitting that you've never seen God. That's what pride is. Admitting you've never even seen God. And that's where these people are at. Their eyes are off God. They don't care what he thinks. They've, they're, they're into their own comfort. And their creativity is fueling them on. And they're building this tower. And they said, let's build this tower up to the heavens. and Let's make a name for ourselves, and they thought they were so close to where they were supposed to be, but yet they were so far, far away from who God wanted them to be and what God wanted them to do. They thought they had a better idea. 
is what happened. They thought they had a better plan. It's like, I know, I know God told me to do this, but I think this is a better idea. Sound familiar? I know God told me to do this, but I think I've got a better idea here. I know God was really clear about the treasure in heaven thing, but you, this car is just amazing. It really is. I love my iPhone so much. I'm preaching to myself right now. <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't pick up on that. And all along we're doing this, and these people are doing this, and God is just shaking his head. He's just shaking his head, and he's getting ready to respond. Getting ready to respond. And that's, gonna, that's our second point today is the response. These people are in arrogance mode. They are fueled by their own creativity, by their own comfort, and now they're cocky, and they're building the city, building this tower, and they think they can do whatever they want. And then the response comes. This is like a buildup in the story. And this is where you see God just step in. Let's look at verse 5. We're going to look at verse 5 through 9 and just see the rest of the story here. If you'll follow along. Look at this first phrase. But the Lord came down. I want you to remember that. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they have begun to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. God is saying, they're cocky right now. They're arrogant. They are having little wins, and they think they can do whatever they want. Their pride is through the roof, and it's time to respond. And here's how God responds in verse 7. He says, come. Let us go down. Now we see a Trinitarian reference here. Again, like we saw earlier in Genesis. We see God talking as the Trinity. Let us, Father, Spirit, Son, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord did what? What did he do? He scattered them. <laughs> Hilarious. Exactly what they were trying not to do. God responds. He says, let's go down. And in verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. The response. You know what God's response was? God's response was God's plan. God's response was God's plan. The people were like, we've got a better plan. We're going to gather instead of scatter. And God's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's not my plan. And when they were in hyper cocky, arrogant mode, God came down and did exactly what he wanted to do. Because his plan was better. And he made sure it happened. When the people said, let us gather Awesome. God said, let us scatter. That's what he said. Let's go down and scatter. When the people said, let's go up, let's, let's, let's go up to God with a tower, God said, let's go down with our power right now. That's what he said. And at this point of the story, 
what happens is really cool point of the, point of the story. The perspective goes like this. It switches. It goes from the people's perspective looking up to God's perspective looking down. And the people's point of view is like what they were doing was great, huge, awesome, amazing. They were going to be famous. And God's looking down going, not a big deal. Not a big deal. We just recently took a, took a little time off, took a little vacation. We did a staycation, a little staycation. And we're in Colorado now, so we're like, you know what? Let's just enjoy Colorado. There's a lot of cool things to do around here. So we went to Garden of the Gods, really awesome. Loved Garden of the Gods. And this was in the time when I hadn't given Doug the answer if I was going to speak or not. I was still kind of freaking out about it. And then I walked up to Garden of the Gods, and the first thing I see is what? Tower of Babel, that is called. <laughs> I walked in. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm speaking. And that's, that's called the Tower of Babel, really cool. And I remember, you know, you, just, you stand underneath that thing and you look up and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And God's looking down and he's going, not a big deal. Not a big deal. We also on our staycation, we went to downtown Denver for a day. That was really fun. Kind of trolled around, had fun. And... Uh, my daughter, Jade, is completely terrified of any humongous fake animal for some reason. Like, she's, she, one of the worst things she's afraid of is the Chick-fil-A cow. If you want to hear, if you want to get your eardrums blown out, just stand by her at Chick-fil-A when the cow comes out. It's really bad. And uh, we found the big blue bear downtown, yeah? Not a good experience for Jade. It's, it's just massive. When you go up to it, it's like, wow, you know. We're like, look at this humongous blue bear. And God's looking down going, looks like a gummy bear to me. <laughs> and, you know, these buildings are actually downtown Denver, right here on the screen. I remember just walking around, just looking up and going, wow, you know. But God is looking down and he's not impressed, everybody. He's not. It's not a big deal to him. He's got a completely different perspective than we do. You know, it's good to do our best, and it's good to do great things and strive for great things in our life, but here's where we got to be really careful, and I, I want you to write this down. This is really important. We need to understand that we cannot impress God. Everybody hear that? We can't do it. These people in the story, they got so arrogant, they thought they could just build this tower, and they thought they could make a name for themselves, and be more godly and impress God and didn't work. God said, let's go down. <laughs> let's go down. And God's not impressed. We got we to gotta stop trying to impress God. That's, that's the big thing. You know, we, 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 we're creative. We do a lot of good things. And, you know, it's like, if you know, I, I could see somebody building a fence around their house. I just pictured this, you know, like built with their own bare hands. Like, I built this fence. And it's like, look, God, I built this fence. And it protects my house and my family. And it's just amazing. And God's like, you know, I made trees, right? You, you know, that, that was my idea, you know. You know, it's, it's like, I, I'm a songwriter. And, uh, you know, I write songs. And every once in a while, I'll write a song. And I'll go, oh, that's pretty good. And then I'll show it to people. And they're like, yeah, that's good, dude. That's a good one. And I'm sure God is just not impressed with my songs. You know, I'm sure he's like, that's good, but you know, I created sound and time and these are all my ideas. So 
not a big deal, not impressed. You know, some of, some of us are into fitness. You, know, you lift weights and you can go to God and say, you know, God, I benched 250 today and feeling pretty, pretty beefy today, pretty strong. And God's like, you know, I hold the whole universe in my hands, right? <laughs> and I, I don't only hold it, I sustain it. I hold it right there. Nothing we can do will impress God. Please hear me on this. Nothing we can do will impress God. But here is the great, wonderful news about this fact. God doesn't want to be impressed. That's not what he's after. You know what he wants? He wants our heart. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be loved. He wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want to be impressed. Psalm 95, this should hopefully be on the screen. Psalm 95, verse 4 through 6, says... In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And then he says this, O come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is his desire. And this is my desire as a worship leader, that we come every, every week and that we don't impress you people, that we don't, don't put on a show, but that, man, eventually everybody will come in here and go, I'm here to be in awe of God today. You know, I'm here to recognize who God is today, and I'm here to sing songs to him. And honestly, people, the least we can do is sing a song to God. That's the least we can do, honestly. But these people in the story, I mean, they were so off base of what God wanted. They were going after fame and notoriety and trying to oppress people and God. And God's like, you're so far away from what I want you to be and what I want you to do. And they, were, they, were, they thought they were getting close, closer to God by doing great things and by building themselves up. But the ironic thing is this. In James, it says this in James 4. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will what? He will lift you up. The problem is we, we, we're too creative. And we, we, just, we just have all these ideas to make ourselves known. And God's like, I will lift you up. Humble yourselves. Be in awe of me. Worship me. Come worship and bow down. Love me. Have a relationship with me. And I will lift you up. And, and then you can stop working and sweating at this thing. We try to lift ourselves up, and we try to build ourselves up. We try to build our own kingdom sometimes. And what we have to do is we have to be get real serious about this, and we have to use real serious language, and we have to say, this is rebellion. This is where we got to really get real with ourselves. Look in the mirror and say, you know what? All these plans that I have and all this creativity, I think this is rebellion against God. That's big. And we need to be, uh, be so submissive to God's plan and not our plan. God's timing. God's timing is perfect. You know, uh, as you know, our church is growing. It's amazing. We have an amazing summer, and the fall is going to be crazy. And we know we're going to have to do something. We know we're going to have to add a service. And, you know, our plan from the get-go has been, let's add a Saturday service. That just makes the most sense, really, to us. And we've been praying really hard, honestly, for months as, as a team and saying, God, if this isn't your plan, just close the door. And Doug told me to just share this with you today. He's going to talk more about it in, in the coming weeks. But, you know, 
God answered our prayer, not in the way we wanted, but he shut the door on Saturdays. And that's kind of the sad, sad news. You know, just with scheduling the conflicts with the school and the district, and it just isn't going to work out. We thought we might be only giving up like a few Saturdays a year, but it turns out to be like double or triple that, they're saying at this point. And it's just God shutting the door on our plan. And we're going to have to add a service. We're going to have to add it on a Sunday. And that's, that's decisions that we're praying through. And you, we really cover your prayers. We really want to be with God on this. We don't, we don't want to do our own plan. We want to be in God's plan, his, his timing, his perfect plan. It's just like when, I moved to, when we moved to Denver, you know. It, it, I'm kind of running out of time. But it, it, took, it took like really honestly three years for us to come here. Just praying and talking and conversations. And, but Doug and I were very, very careful to be in God's plan on these things. And the reason is, is because God's plan and his timing is absolutely perfect. And ours is absolutely not. <laughs> Man, we're off at times. Sometimes we're just building our towers. And sometimes we are just doing our own thing and we have no idea what we're doing. And God is looking down, shaking his head and going, what are you doing? You're not being obedient. You're not listening to me. You're not asking me. You're not following my plan. We have to understand that God's plan is perfect. His timing is perfect. And his plan is always better. Everybody say the word better. God's plan is better than any plan that we could come up with. But we get in trouble. This is where we get in trouble when we start believing that our plan could be better. I know God told me to do this, but... I think my plan would be better. And those plans that we have will sometimes just take us so, we think we're so close to God, but yet we're so far away from where he wants us to be. My challenge to you this morning is this. Be obedient to God. Be obedient to God. You know, I'm a worship leader. At the heart of worship is surrender and obedience. That's the heart of worship right there. Just, just being so concerned and so aware of God's idea, God's plan, what he wants for our life instead of what the creative stuff that we come up with. We got to put that in front of everything that we come up with. We have to say, is this God's plan in my life? Because if we're not careful, we can be doing all this stuff. We, you know, some of us need to be in discipleship, but we're coming to church every week because the teaching is so great and that's, that's all we need to grow. And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I told you to do. I didn't tell you to come to church every week. I told you to go make disciples. This is how you're going to grow. It's not just about coming to church. It's about carrying out God's plan, his idea. You know, I heard somebody say, there's nothing wrong with God's plan, it's our implementation of it. That's the problem. God's not off. Sometimes we are. And we need to really, this is my challenge to you this morning. Let's, let's be obedient. Let's be submissive. Let's say, God, this is your idea. This is your plan. This is your life. I submit to you. Will you bow your heads this morning? Some of you here this morning uh, have maybe uh, felt a tug at your heart. And you've been doing a lot of things. 
And you may have realized this morning, or maybe God's been speaking to you that, you know, this isn't exactly what I told you to do. You're building towers when you're supposed to be keying into my power in your life. You're doing your plan instead of my plan. Some of you are, you know, us in here, are just, we're just there, you know? If we really were honest with ourselves. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Just say, you know what? I'm struggling with that. That's where I'm at right now. Thank you so much. Several hands all over the place. We need to be obedient this morning. Submit to God's plan. Be led by Him instead of our own ideas. It's so much easier that way. Just rest in Him. To be still and know that He is God. He's got it worked out. His plan is better. Some of you in here this morning, you've probably done a lot of things in your life that you thought may get you close to God, get you close to heaven. But what we have to understand is that what gets us, nothing gets us closer to God, nothing will get us close to God except through the blood of Jesus. Some of you don't have a relationship with God. Some of you are not Christians today. I just want you to know this morning that God wants to be close to you. He wants to be your father. And the only way that's going to happen is through his son, Jesus. To give your life in Jesus' name. So if that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand? Say, you know what, that, yeah, you're right. That's me been running away from God and I want to I want to be his son. Thank you. Thank you. If that's you this morning, I just want you to just pray with me. If you, you all you got to do is from your heart to God's heart, the, this prayer won't save you, but it won't make you a child of the king, but your belief in God will. So let me just lead you in a prayer this morning. Father in heaven, I want to be your child. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. That he rose again for me. And that he reigns as king over me. I accept your forgiveness, Lord. I accept your grace. Save me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's keep our heads bowed, and I just want to pray over all of us today in just closing prayer, closing call. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray for me. Father in heaven, we, we thank you so much for your word and the truth of it. God, I pray that uh, anything that's been said today, uh, Lord, that isn't from you, we'll just forget. But God, that your word will stand strong in our life. Lord, we all repent, and we we confess at times that we just don't follow your plan. We follow our own plan. Lord, with all of our hearts today, we, we submit to you, God. We want to have a heart of obedience, a heart of worship, a heart of surrender this morning. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a God that wants to be close to us. That It's our Father, Lord. God, as we, we, uh, as we worship today, as we 
end our service as we leave. God, may we just leave with this heart of surrender, of obedience to you, God, and to your plan, Lord. We, we recognize you as reigning king, as the God of all, God of all comfort, Lord. In your name we pray. Everybody said. Can we celebrate those decisions this morning? Right?